Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au. We're in Luke chapter 4. Uh, just again to set the pace for where we're going. Do you ever sense that um, there's some sort of evil force in this world tempting or influencing you to do wrong things? Do you recognise that something is shooting horrible thoughts into your mind at times to carry out sinful actions? Some sort of force or some sort of being that's outside of you. And when that's the case, how do you deal with those sometimes overpowering thoughts? How do you deal with them? How do you actually sort of go into battles, sort of deal with those thoughts that come to your mind? We're going to see a bit of that today as we look at this uh, really important passage here in Luke chapter 4 as he's uh, opening up a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. If you've got your Bibles, please go to Luke 4 and we're going to read from verses 1 through 15. Uh, Starting in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we have this opportunity to come and gather together this afternoon. We thank you again, Lord, for your word. And we ask and pray now, Holy Spirit, as we think about uh, what is taking place here today with Jesus uh, being tempted in the wilderness severely tempted, more temptation than we will ever know ourselves. Uh, We ask and pray, please open up our eyes now to the strength and power that Jesus took hold of to overcome those temptations. We ask for your help in that way now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Luke's taking us here into a significant aspect of the life of Jesus in these really early days here. Uh, It's a preparation time for Jesus where he's at. A time here which at this particular aspect is a time of solitude and loneliness and isolation here, filled with the Holy Spirit in this preparation, setting his resolve uh, to fulfil the path that the Father has laid out before him to carry out the mission. It's a time of spiritually, as it were, and mentally preparing himself uh, for the mission that is ahead of Jesus at this time. 
What's Luke doing? Luke is giving us a picture here of the glory and wonder of God through the person of Jesus Christ, his only son, and the salvation he brings for all people, not just some people, the salvation that Jesus brings for all people. Uh, Luke's giving us here certainty and confidence. He's writing this to Theophilus, that's who he writes this letter to at the start, but also ourselves, that we can have this certainty and confidence that we can have in Jesus Christ. As we read this and see what Luke is writing about Jesus here for us today to read 2,000 years later. So as we think about this certainty, this confidence in Jesus in the wilderness, here's our big idea for today. Jesus and the truth of the gospel sets us free from lies, distortions, corruptions, false influences and the fake news of Satan and this world. Jesus and the truth of the gospel sets us free from the lies, distortions, corruptions, false influences and fake news of Satan and this world. So in the previous chapter, uh, we would have seen John there. Uh, Jesus, sorry, was baptised by John the Baptist. And at that same time, he hears this voice, this divine voice of God say, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And now we see the Spirit leading Jesus, as it were, into the wilderness for 40 days where he ate nothing. That's a heck of a long time not eating food. I've done some fasting, but I have not done 40 days. I know some people have done 40 days. That is a long time. And at the end of those days, he says he was hungry. I'm sure he was hungry. That even tells us something. Jesus was fully human. He was fully God, but he was, he was hungry, just like all of us get those sort of you know, hunger pains happening. Jesus was truly human. Now we come across the devil here, as it were, uh, with these three severe temptations upon Christ. And this is who the devil is. Uh, The devil is the enemy of God. He's the enemy of us as well. He hates God with an intense anger and he hates you and I because we are made in the image of God. When he sees us, he sees the image of God stamped upon us and he hates us with a perfect hatred. The devil can think of nothing better... Nothing better than to tempt and to take down people, particularly God's people, and take them down into sinful behaviour and draw them into broken, corrupted living. This is what the devil does. He fires these temptations, as it were, at us to cause us to sin and to walk away from God and to not trust God and just live life according to our own dictates. And the Bible tells us that the very nature of the devil is this. He's the father of lies. That's all he can do. He just lies. It's lie after lie after lie. In other words, lying has originated with Satan, with the devil. He only speaks lies to us. He whispers deceptions and lies into our mind continually, continually. He tempts us, as it were, to justify our sinful actions because, well, we deserve better. That'll be part of his work with us. With Adam and Eve in the garden, he did just that. God had said to them, when God had produced this garden for them, God said to them, don't eat of this one tree in the middle called the tree of good and evil. And the day you do will be the day you'll die. And Satan says to Eve there in Genesis 3, 4, uh, he comes up to her and sort of whispers into her ear, you will not surely die if you eat of that tree. God knows the day that you eat of that tree, you'll become just like God. God's holding out on you, Eve. 
He's not letting you into all the good stuff that he's got for you. Just eat of that tree, you'll become like God, and then you'll know what this good stuff's all about. You deserve better than what God is giving to you. This is the way the devil begins to deceive us with these deceptions. Uh, He's exceptional, the devil is exceptional at telling us uh, our evil actions are excusable in our minds as well for the way we've been treated over the last few weeks or months in life. You know, the way that person's treated me and all the rubbish they've dumped on me in the last few days or weeks, you know, the devil tells me now it's payback time. It's time to pay back, the devil says. They deserve what's coming to them and you have every right to settle the score, the devil would say. And when you pay back, make sure you pay back with interest. Don't just pay back, but actually pay back with extra hurt to really inflict pain on them because you've earned the right now to pay them back because of the hurt they've given to you. The devil will whisper that into our ears, whisper those thoughts to us. Uh, The devil often comes and tempts us when we are weak and vulnerable as well. He sees where we're at mentally, physically and emotionally when we're really, really low in life. And it's these times that the devil comes in and whispers into our ears his deceptions, his lies to cause us to doubt God. Not only when we're weak, He can also do it too when we're the opposite, as in a spiritual high in life perhaps. And it's amazing often in a spiritual high of life that the devil comes in as a way to cause us grief just to burst our bubble. Just when we thought we were sort of cruising along. He just comes in to burst that bubble even when we're having a potential high in life. And actually Jesus right here experienced both of these things. He comes off this massive spiritual high with, at, God's, at the baptism where he's baptised by John the Baptist and this, this God's affirming voice comes over. That's like a massive high there. And then after that there's this place of loneliness and isolation when he goes into 40 days of solitude and physical hunger. It's like this massive low in life and it's here when the devil comes in to attack Jesus, to tempt him, to deceive him. What's that all telling us? Well, we all live in a world where there's a voice that's tempting us to do evil. I'm not saying it's the only voice that tempts us to do evil. We've got our own sinful nature that does that. But we have this external voice that is tempting us to do evil. We all live in a world where we're challenged at our weakest moments of our life to react in sinful and regrettable ways. And don't think it's strange then. If you do have this voice that you find in your head tempting us to do something evil, that's not strange. That's the world we live in. That's the evil that's around us. So really important to see the devil is a real enemy, not some fictitious character, a real enemy, subtly trying to take us down and beat us up. And that's precisely what he's trying to do to Jesus here in the wilderness. So we find Jesus here under a massive temptation. Massive temptation. Sometimes we're tempted to sort of read over parts of the Bible and just sort of just tick over those verses and not really understand what's taking place here. Uh, This is big time temptation like none of us have ever experienced before and ever will experience. In actual fact, the whole mission of the gospel is on the line here in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 15. The whole of the mission of the gospel is on the line right here in this chapter. So we never must underestimate what the devil is doing in these times. He's throwing everything he can at Jesus right at this particular point in time to take his eyes off God, to turn away from the mission that he's been called to and just to walk away from all of it. 
That's exactly what the devil's trying to do here with Jesus. So let's go into these temptations. The first one, he tells Jesus here to turn the stones into bread to satisfy his hunger. It's a bit like this. Jesus, you've done enough now. 40 days is plenty long enough. God doesn't really expect you to go all the way with this fasting thing. Jesus, just whip up a couple of sesame seed buns out of these rocks here and just have a feed. That's all you've got to do. But notice what the devil says here in verse 3 as we just throw that up for you. The devil said to him, If, if, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. If. It's like, well, who are you, Jesus? Are you the Son of God? If. Just take matters into your own hands now. Just pull out a miracle here for your own self-gratification or your own self-pleasure. Just do something for yourself, Jesus. Don't worry about God the Father. Just do one miracle for yourself, just to get yourself out of a spot of trouble here. That'll be all okay, Jesus. If, just show yourself here, Jesus. How does Jesus answer? Well, he says this in verse 4. And Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. What's Jesus saying? Devil, life doesn't consist in satisfying my stomach alone. That's not what life is all about. Life is not all about my temporal pleasures or temporal things in the here and now, devil. Actually, life consists in following God's word and worshipping him as supreme, knowing that he will meet my needs as I require them. That's what life's about, devil. It's about worshipping God and obeying his word. Second temptation, another huge challenge for Jesus here as he faces this arch enemy. And he says this in Luke 4, 5 and 7. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it's been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. What's the devil saying? Jesus, I know you're going to be a king someday and you're going to have a glorious throne. I know that. I know that. But have a guess what, Jesus? I've got a better plan for you. I've got a better plan for you. I've got an easier way to get to that glorious kingdom and that glorious throne. I'll give you all the kingdoms. I'll give you all the glory in this world that you could ever dream of, Jesus. And Jesus... You don't have to go the way of the cross. You don't have to do all that hard stuff, Jesus. You don't have to take that path of suffering and death to secure a kingdom. You just worship me, Jesus, and I'll give you a kingdom. I'll give you anything you want in this world. But you just worship me, Jesus. Maybe Satan tempts us like that too sometimes. Just follow me. Satan will say in a very deceptive way, just follow me and I'll give you fame and fortune in this world and we can forget about all those silly hard ways that Jesus may call us into in the gospel following him in this world. Sometimes I think he does that. Follow me on the easier path. Jesus himself said another part of uh, Luke, now what does a prophet a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Jesus answers the devil in verse 8. And he says this, It is written, 
You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus is saying there's only one who's worthy of all worship. All the glory that I ever would want to experience is found in serving my father and loving him. I don't bow down to you, devil. I don't serve you. I receive my glory from the father. The devil doesn't give up on this. He's failed twice and Jesus has prevailed twice. But he comes back with a third temptation now. And this is like another Mount Everest for Jesus to climb. It's huge. It's big. In verses 9 and 11 he says this. The devil takes him now to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, here's that if word again, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. If you are the son of God, Jesus, well let's make a name for yourself right now. Let's do something spectacular right now in front of all these people here gathered around the temple. Jesus is standing on the edge of the temple roof. He's overlooking, as it were, the, the Kidron Valley. And back then it was like a 200 metre straight down drop off the side of the temple. People would be gathered in the courtyard everywhere. And the devil says to him, come on, Jesus, you know your scriptures. You can just jump. You can just jump. And God will have to save you because you're the chosen one, Jesus. God will have to save you. Just put God to the test here. Come on, you're the Messiah of faith. Show your faith now by jumping and everybody will see who you are. It'll be amazing, Jesus. You'll jump off and you'll disappear out of view and then you'll just hover back out of the ground and just be gently put back on there. And everybody will see who you are, Jesus. Just do that. Make a name for yourself right here. Jesus answers in verse 12. It is said, you shall not... Put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says this, I haven't come to put God to the test. I haven't come to do something that he hasn't told me to do and just expect that God will rescue me when he hasn't actually ordained me to take this path. I haven't been told by God to jump off this building and jump into the valley to show myself to people in this way. God hasn't directed me to do that. Devil, No one puts God to the test. No one puts God to the test. No one holds God to ransom like, God, you've got to save me this time. You've got to do it or else. No, you don't put God to the test. Really powerful temptations in the life of Jesus and more so because they come directly from the devil himself. Now, we all would get tempted in here but it would probably be more evil spirits than the devil himself. The devil himself is like the number one evil spirit. So they would be incredibly strong. And it's like this conversation's going on between Jesus and the devil. It sort of reminds me of Job when the devil came to sort of roaming the earth and said, who can I go and tempt? It's this really personal connection here, but it's powerful and it's strong. Because he knows, he really knows, the devil that is, uh, that if he can um, begin to attack Jesus right here, right now, the whole mission of the gospel is on the line. He actually can destroy the plan of salvation right there. But as we see, 
Jesus is tempted in every way. And the beautiful thing we can see out of that as well is he can sympathise with us in these strong temptations. He knows what it's like to be tempted to the nth degree. When that mouse is hovering there and at a click of a button, you know you can get onto pornography just like that. You've got to click it once and it's burning in your heart and mind. Jesus knows just how strong that temptation is. He's been there. But gloriously, powerfully, wonderfully, Jesus stays true to God the Father, triumphs and overcomes all of these temptations here in a powerful and glorious way. He does. He powerfully overcomes these temptations. And as he does that, as we see that today, uh, we see some very significant things that Jesus does that will help us to overcome temptation as well as we see what Jesus has overcome. Uh, Firstly, let's have a look at this, that Jesus overcomes in the power of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 1. We'll go back to the start. And it says there, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, We are no match. We are no match for the devil in our own strength. We we actually aren't even on the scales of trying to compare our strength against the devil's strength. It's like an ant sort of crawling onto the ground up to an elephant and says, right, I'll take you on. The elephant lifts up his foot and just puts it straight down on top of the ant, game over. No comparison. We are in no strength able to take on Satan and all of his uh, temptation towards us. Jesus, though, the Son of God, is filled... It says they're filled with the empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit. It's so important for us to see. That is what the Spirit is, the empowering presence dwelling within us. And it's essential, absolutely essential in doing battle with the devil and his temptations, that we know that God's Spirit is dwelling with us, giving us the power to say no and to overcome in those desperately challenging times. And that's exactly what happens when we become a believer. When we are born again and we put our faith and our trust in Christ and believe that he died for our sins, God by his spirit lives inside of us, dwells inside of us, so that we now have this power to overcome. And it's so important, paramount that I would say, that we are praying and asking the Holy Spirit to equip us and empower us every day to overcome these temptations that will come our way. It's a bit like, please Holy Spirit, today, help me. Guide me, lead me, keep my eyes open, keep me discerning and alert for the temptations of the devil and help me to have the strength to say no. Paramount that we are calling upon the Spirit's power to come and enable us. That's the first thing we see there what Jesus does. He's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, though, we see this really common response here of Jesus as he meets each temptation. In verse 4 he says it is written, in verse 8 he says it is written, and in verse 12 he says it is said, which is similar to it is written. It is written, it is written, it is said. Each time Jesus comes back with that. What is Jesus doing here when he says that each time with that pattern? Jesus is quoting the truth of God's word to defeat the lies and the false claims of the devil. He's taking God's word and using that to, as it were, defeat these lies as they come up. Jesus, uh, The devil comes to Jesus with a temptation. He puts this proposition or this offer to Jesus. And like, Jesus, have you, have you thought about this? Have you, have you thought about this, Jesus? So then how does Jesus process or handle those thoughts? 
Jesus is presented with a thought. Now he's going to decide whether that thought is a true thought that the devil's just planted in my mind that brings glory to God, or is it a false thought? Is it a deceptive thought that will lead to sin and destruction of my soul? Got to weigh this thought up now. Now, let's be honest here, it won't always be easy to weigh those thoughts up because the ideas and the lies the devil puts into our head are generally tantalising or tempting. Tempting actually means, in some sense, we are drawn to it. There's something in our natural self that is drawn to what he's actually tempting us with. So it's not like it's a black and white thing normally. Sometimes it's very deceptive. Very deceptive. So these thoughts need to be captured immediately by the devil, that he would uh, send it to our minds, captured immediately from the devil and then carefully processed with these thoughts. And that's exactly what Jesus did here. He stopped that thought immediately as, as the devil suggested unto him. He processes that thought straight away by measuring the thoughts that the devil has given to him against what God says. And that's exactly what God's word is. It's like a measuring stick. It measures to tell us what is true and what is false. God's word sorts out the true from the false. And you can only know something is false if you know what the true is. If you don't know what the true is, well then you really may not know what the false is. You've got to know what the true is to discern the false. And there's a distinct partnership here that works between the spirit, where Jesus had that in verse 1, and this word, the God's word that he's using here for each of these temptations. And I might simply ask this question, do you want to grow in the awareness of the Holy Spirit's power in and through your life for guidance and help? Well then, we need to do what Jesus has done here, and that is we fill up and keep filling up on God's inspired word, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Do you want to grow in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit? You keep growing God's word, and that will in turn grow the spirit inside of our hearts and lives to be able to use that word in those times. So what we have then is this partnership God's word and God's spirit working together, strengthening us and growing us and equipping us to overcome the devil's temptations as they come. Here's how it works. The devil comes along, he whispers this thought or this temptation into your mind. You're now filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got God's empowering presence living inside of you and you know God's truth and immediately you measure that thought that's just been whispered into your mind or just like a fiery dark, and you, you measure that thought immediately. And when God's word and God's spirit is working together, if the thought is false, it's like immediately a red light goes up. Bam, bam, bam. Something's wrong with that thought. There's a trigger in your mind straight away. The spirit working with the word says false, false, false. It's a lie. Don't believe that thought. Reject that thought. Fight that thought off now with all the might and strength that I give you in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's how the Word and the Spirit work together as we fight the enemy's lies. Let me just stop here for a second, though. This is an area where many, many, many Christians fail against the devil and his works. It's right here. For two reasons, actually. Firstly, we fail... Because we aren't asking the Holy Spirit to 
to lead and guide us each day to be alert to the devil's schemes and plans. Often we just sail into the day. We don't actually stop and gird ourselves or strengthen ourselves or prepare ourselves for whatever might come our way this day. We don't actually stop and ask for the Spirit's guidance and pray to the Holy Spirit, ask him to just guide me, lead me through this day, help me to be alert. We just fail to stop and pray. And the moment we fail to stop and pray and ask for that help, we're in trouble. We're not preparing ourselves, we're not receiving God's grace that is available to us from the Holy Spirit through prayer. That's a weak point when we come to fighting against Satan. Secondly, it's here. We also fail against these temptations, against these powerful influences that Satan brings onto our hearts and minds because we're not filling ourselves up on the gospel or reading the scriptures. We're just not letting God's word get into our hearts. So when that happens, we're not able to measure these false thoughts because we haven't got the truth of the gospel flowing in our heart. We actually haven't taken the time to fill ourselves up on the truth so our mind is saturating and soaking in the truth. We'll spend more time on social media and all sorts of countless other things and we find very little time to get into God's word. I'm devastated as I read a lot of surveys from around the world basically telling us that Bible reading, the most basic and simplest discipline of believers, is at an all-time low. At an all-time low. People will much rather pick up their iPad and play games or watch YouTube and they might fit the Bible in once a month. And then they wonder why they fall over. Then they wonder why they believe these lies. Because they're neglecting one of the greatest gifts that God's given to us in his word. And then they wonder why I'm so weak, why I'm so powerless, and I just seem to be so suspect of these lies to come. I'm just not in God's word. And it's just sort of sitting right beside me on the, on the couch beside the, where I'm sitting. But I'll pick up the iPad and I'll do something else instead of pick up God's word. Let me tell you something else here, what reading the gospel does for you, which is really, really powerful. Sure, it, it grows our knowledge in God, and that's what we've just been talking about the last few minutes, and we need that, we need that. But it also does this. It's just something supernatural and amazing about the Bible when we actually read that and we ask God's help for it. Reading the Bible grows within us a bigger and bigger vision of who Jesus Christ is. As we read and reflect and think and pray, the person of Christ grows larger and larger and more and more beautiful within us as we see him revealed to us through these words. It's just glorious. And when we see the beauty of Christ, which nothing in this world compares with, that becomes a powerful force to equip us to overcome Satan's temptations as well. And Luke's doing it right here in this passage. He's giving us this glorious picture of Jesus Christ. Have a look at what he's doing here. And before, sorry, before we get there, let's think about this. How did Adam and Eve go in the Garden of Eden when they had their first test against the devil? Did they pass or did they fail? Failed. Have a guess what? If you and I were there, we would have failed as well. Failed. Think about this. When the Israelites wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert... Did they pass or fail God's test there? 
failed. Just bear that in mind now as we see what Luke's doing here in this passage. Probably the 40 days that Jesus is fasting in the wilderness probably represents here like the wilderness experience of Israel. And as we just said, what do they do? Failed hopelessly. Not just once, not just twice, repeatedly. Well, let's look at Jesus, friends, as Luke is portraying him to us. What did Jesus do in the wilderness for 40 days? Tempted horrendously, way more than the Israelites were. Did Jesus fail or did Jesus pass? Jesus passed. He resisted every temptation and overcome them. He did what Israel could never do. That's glorious. That's big. That's huge who Jesus is. Adam, what did he do in the garden? He failed. The very first test and temptation upon mankind, Adam failed. He went to water. He crashed. Jesus faced an onslaught way more tougher than Adam. How did Jesus go? He passed. He passed in flying colours. And in fact, not only did he pass, Jesus goes on all the way to the cross continuing to overcome the devil at every other turn. He was tempted other times in his life as well. He goes all the way to the cross, uh, overcoming Jesus, uh, overcoming Satan in every way, and then lays down that life for us. See, this is the picture that Luke is giving us. Adam failed, Israel failed, but look at Jesus. He didn't fail, and his perfection is now given to us through his death at the cross. When you see that and you begin to think and reflect on who Jesus is, it's got to show a bigger Christ. It's got to show a more glorious Jesus who has done that overcoming on our behalf so that now we can fight the devil's temptations from the victory he's already achieved for us. We're not fighting Satan to try and earn some sort of victory point so we can then actually come to God and say, now will you accept me because I've overcome Satan? We are fighting from the victory already from what Christ has achieved for us. Now that's liberating and that's freeing because we're not going to win every fight against Satan and that doesn't matter at the end of the day because Jesus has won the decisive fight for us. That doesn't mean we give up on the battle. We still keep fighting, but we fight from a point of victory. So as we think about that today, here's where I want us to go. Are we taking hold of the Spirit's power in our life to fight these battles? Are we truly putting into place those disciplines of just asking the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus here is filled with the Spirit, help me today. Help me to discern the temptations that are coming to my mind, whispering these lies here. Holy Spirit, help me to see that and not fall for those lies. Not only that, are we taking hold of the gift that God's given to us in his word? What's taken priority in our lives? Is it the remote control? Is it the screen? Or are we taking hold of, hold of God's truth that will fill us uh, with the knowledge of Christ but the beauty of Christ as well? Because this is what God's given to us because he wants us to overcome in these battles and he's equipping us and enabling us to do that. But are we taking hold of that? Or are we just, again, sitting it on the side and just choosing something else? Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you now and ask and pray, Lord, that you would please uh, help us today. Help us in the challenges, Lord, that we face in this world. Help us with the challenges, Father, 
that we deal with uh, in this external evil force that comes to, uh, as it were, barrage us from time to time with lies, with falseness, with fake news. God, I pray today that you are gracious in giving us these glorious tools. You give us your Holy Spirit and you give us your word to work in our lives, to equip us and enable us to uh, overcome these trials. And when we overcome, Lord, we see a glorious picture of who you are as you strengthen us. Sure, those battles are difficult and hard, but Lord, as you enable us to overcome, we just see how great you are. You're teaching us things through that all the time. Well, some are feeling really weak today before me. Some are feeling like they can't do this battle anymore. I would ask and pray, Holy Spirit, please enable them today. Please come and fill them afresh with your overcoming power to glorify Christ by getting up and going again one more day. Look, for those who've maybe laid aside your word, for those who are sitting there right now and thinking, I haven't picked the Bible up for weeks. Some are thinking, I can't remember remember the last time I picked up the Bible. God, I pray, please prompt them now to put that plan in place, Lord, to take your word and to treasure it deep in our hearts and to see uh, that truth become alive within us, Lord, to give us a glorious picture of Christ, I pray. And Father, I pray that through that, our lives would be overcoming of Jesus of this world through the power that Jesus gives us so that Lord, we can display your glory. Uh, Lord, I ask that I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 